Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, America. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. Really good to be with you. We have a terrific show for you. And uh, recently I interviewed um, Doug Thornton. And so Doug Thornton of American Vindicta, Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show. You know what that means. It's the Doug and Dave Intel Report. And we're going to be talking about some interesting uh, phenomena here, but mostly about when we have to run for the hills, as the Bible talks about, how to organize your new community so you're not overrun. Defensive preparation ideas, knowing some military strategy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This is a how-to. Very sophisticated, not just get in your car and run like hell. This is going to be an interesting interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we go to Doug, I've got a little business I need to take care of here. First of all, I'm going to say this. We're brought to you by Noble Gold. And really proud to be partnered with Noble Gold because the people that heed the warnings and know about CBDC know that the banks are failing and they can steal your money because you've been declared to be an unsecured creditor in an illegal law passed called Dodd-Frank 2010. You don't own your money, and Noble Gold knows that. Noble Gold wants to save you from the ravages also of inflation. The dollar has lost 85% of its value since the 1970s. You know that? That's just absolutely incredible. But Noble Gold can save your retirement. They can save your bank account. The way they save your retirement is they get it the heck away from the bank. They back it with gold, and you own it. And you say, well, no one can steal it from me. That's correct. And they can also do something similar with your bank account. To find out more, let me send you a free information packet. Go to DaveHodgesGold.com. That's DaveHodgesGold.com, and I'll send that out to you. Or you could call Noble Gold directly at 877-646-5347, 877-646-5347. And I have to give a warning here. The federal government wants me to tell you, unlike what they did with FTX, but they want me to tell you, and I agree with this, that we should remind you that all investments are risky and that there are no guarantees. And that's absolutely the truth. And we do agree with giving this warning. We um, want to remind people, though, that uh, I have been an advertiser for Noble Gold for six years. I've been an ad, uh, I've been a customer for five. I put my money where my mouth is, and I want to help you escape the ravages of CBDC, a failing dollar, and corrupt banks. Don't let it be 1929 again in your family. DaveHodgesGold.com Well, there's a lot going on, but the draft is really occupying a lot of my attention right now. And I want to take a minute and talk about some things that I've discussed over on uh, my YouTube channel, and I want to bring them here and I want you to share these. Number one, the draft is coming. I show documentation of military.com, writing an op-ed piece telling Biden he's a draft, the Council on Foreign Relations that has chosen every presidential candidate except for Donald Trump since World War II. That's right. And they are telling Biden, you need to have a draft. The draft is coming. Now, I will say this. If you have to have the inevitability of the draft, which I don't believe we have to, 
I would say that the millions of illegal immigrants that we've let into this country, they want to stay, they got to serve seven years, which is the length of time of the old naturalization period that my German ancestors went through when they came to this country. So what they need to be doing, you'll hear me clearly on this, what they need to be doing is this government needs to be drafting illegal aliens saying, you want to stay here? You're serving seven years. We'll teach you English in the first six months while you're being trained. And there's your draft. Now, they're never going to do that because we know that American citizens, it's now America last, not America first. We have to pay for their health care. We have to pay for everything connected to these people. And they're more important than we are to this administration. Why? Because they're future Democratic voters. Yeah, put them in the military and put them in combat and see how well they respect the Democrats. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they know better than that. But here's the other thing, too. There's going to be two drafts. And this is something that I really hope that you take to heart. There's going to be the regular draft of both men and women, our kids, young adults, women. When they start grabbing the girls, I think people are going to stand up and say no. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, they're going to be sent to die in the meat grinder of Ukraine. And do you remember Biden? Oh, I'll never send F-16s to, yeah, I'll never send A-1 Abram tanks. Oh, I'll never send drones. I'll never send young men. It's just what Woodrow Wilson said about World War One. Basically, told the corporations on the side, "Hey, hey, let me just get elected. I'll get reelected, and then I'll send you all the troops you want." That's what this um, chicken bleeper president's doing, and we have to stand up and we have to say no. That's the first part. That's the draft. There's also going to be a civilian conscription draft, and I would refer you to Executive Order 13603, and in particular, Sections 501 and 502. And in that language, they basically say that uh, the Department of Defense, in combination with under the direction of the Secretary of Labor, will conscript people of high talent, good skills, or people that need to be trained, and they will do so, and they'll employ them without compensation. Did you hear what I just said? Without compensation. You can look that up. You can uh, go to the website, my website, commonsenshow.com, or you can simply put it into a search engine and you'll come to the archives of the press secretary where Biden, Obama, Trump, all their executive orders are housed. And you'll see, I'm telling you the truth, without compensation, which means there's going to be slave labor camps in America. That's right. They'll take anyone they want for any reason they want. The executive order, and I'm not going to go into the other parts of it right now, but it's also about the control of food, the control of industry, the control of all energy, but mostly the control of you. What they're saying here is that they can take you for any reason, any time, and put you anywhere and make you do anything. And then people ask me the question, well, Dave, what will the circumstances of the draft be like? And my answer to that question is very, very straightforward. It's whatever they want it to be. Now, in World War II, you had a few medical exemptions, but they were hard to come by. And if you got them, you were classified as a 4F. In the the, um, Vietnam era, they didn't want to piss people off right from the beginning. So they tried to lessen the burden. They first said, well, if you're in college, you know, okay, you got your college deferment. And then it was, well, you can finish, but the next term you have to report. And then, of course, there was the um, other element. Yeah, the other element. You know what that is? Getting married. You had the marriage deferment. Well, then too many people got married. So they said, well, you have to be married, but you have to have a kid. So everyone's tried real hard to get pregnant. So this was the progression. But eventually, when they needed more people, and Vietnam eventually grew to half a million soldiers, they said, well, we're we're not going to allow any of these deferments. You have to have a serious physical ailment. Um, I believe they're going to do the same thing here. And we have so many soy boys in the young ages now. I don't think we can get enough people to really go in and do the job militarily. So they're going to have to go to older men who still know how to be men that don't color their hair purple, wear a nose ring, and they know what gender they are and they know who they're supposed to have sex with. So you'll have those people going in and probably go up to the age 45, maybe even 50, because they'll have to reach deep. But I say this right now. I say, 
no and hell no to this draft. You're not getting our kids. And I think we need to stand up. We need to be firm on this point. We need to be resolute and just tell the government no. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to spread this. You need to play this for everyone you know because we need to take the position there will be no draft. We do not have a treaty with Ukraine. NATO does not have a member called Ukraine. We are not obligated to defend Ukraine. Humanitarian aid, I'm fine with that. Sending our people to die over there, again, no and hell no. And we need to stand up against this. This is a war to make the military-industrial complex wealthier. It's also a war to weaken America, and Biden's mission is to bring this country down. And he said it in so many different ways, and we need to resist this with every fiber in our being. And don't forget, it's just not going to be the boys. It's also going to be the girls. No and hell no. We're we talking to Doug Thornton when we have to run for the hills because the government becomes too repressive. How do you organize? What are the important things to do? Stay tuned. We'll be back with Doug on the Doug and Dave Intel Report right here on The Common Sense Show. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here on The Common Sense Show, and we're really glad to be with you. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, we got uh, Doug Thornton here. So you know what that means. Whenever Doug comes, American Vindicta, me, The Common Sense Show, we combine our efforts into the Doug and Dave Intel report. So uh, we we have an interesting report. Doug just gave a presentation up in Colorado, and it's an interesting one here. I just had a chance to quickly peruse it, but it's basically titled Becoming a Strategic Asset. And uh, listen, I'm always on the call for you and everyone around you to become more active. Do something. Write a letter. Right, call and do a talk show. There's always something you can do. Well, Doug's going to hit the become a strategic asset, but it's going to be a little more sophisticated than my bottom feeder advice. So, uh, Doug, uh, I know you gave the presentation. Um, I've heard from one person that we both know that it was very good. And so I just want to ask you, what do you mean when you say become a strategic asset? So becoming an asset, that's a personal question for men are you an asset or a liability are you an asset or liability to yourself <laughs> yeah. are you are you an asset or liability to your friends to your families and to your lord now we are always a liability to god because of the nature of sin yeah that's true so that that's why we have to work on that every day and you can only work on that by being one with your prayer life and seeking god's face every day and go and sin no more as the master says um <laughs> But for men, this is where Doug does his specialty of stepping on men's toes. And now I am not here to offend anybody. So if you take offense, well, then you may have a problem that you might need to address, Dave. So this is where we start off with. This is this was my mission statement. I want to set everyone up for success. I want people to understand this one question, and that is, are you an asset or are you a liability? And no matter the situation or disaster, being an asset that is worth being relied upon is valuable for everyone's preservation. So how do we become an asset? The definition of being an asset, as it would involve a person with particular usefulness based upon uh, their specific skills, the level of their skills, usefulness that can be applied for a beneficiary purpose. That would be to themselves or a community. So examples, Dave, are laborers with general construction-based knowledge, electricians, engineers, carpenters, masoners, um, welders, plumbers, mechanics. And then on to your more technical skills, like your dentists, doctors, nurses. Then to the really technical stuff, like software engineers and computer experts. Obviously, a society after a collapse would benefit from these occupations. But what about the ethics and the law portion? Dave, well, first responders like firefighters, ambulance drivers, the EMS guys, the police, will they still be necessary for the preservation of a community? My answer is yes. Because well, I'm gonna, these- I'm gonna, I want to give a disclaimer in here, and I want you to jump on this. Okay. Katrina and other disasters have shown us they'll stay on the, the job for three days, and then they'll depart. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And then what happens? Mayhem. Yes. So how do we keep them on the job? How do we keep them on the job? And that, you know, sure, if cops don't come, the crime goes out, you know, through the roof. Firefighters don't come. Well, buildings are going to burn down. EMS doesn't come. Well, who's getting the Band-Aids put on them? But what if the... What if the carpenters don't show up? What doesn't get built? Or the engineers show up? What doesn't get fixed? You know, what about the welders, the plumbers, the mechanics? Who fixes your leaky faucet that's now frozen and exploding in your house during the winter when prophecy has hit the fan and no one shows up for work anymore? This whole thing is geared towards the underground church. Now, the underground church is what we will all eventually be a part of. You're not going to be able to go to your church on the surface level down the street because it'll be outlawed. The beast system, the Antichrist, will <laughs> outright say what is Christian and what is not, and there will be two forms. There will be two forms of Christian. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the let's say christians is the wrong word two forms of believers the believers of christ and the believers of antichrist and one will say that they are supreme to the other and let me tell you something constitutional rights will apply to the antichrist not the christians because your laws will and has been used against you and continues to be. So when prophecy hits the fan, just consider this. How many of these occupations that I have previously listed will still be showing up for their 9-to-5 jobs when the country goes into complete panic and collapses? Figure out whatever your doomsday disaster is. It doesn't really matter. Just this. If it all goes bad, will the people who maintain the normal way of life for everyday city dwellers Will they still show up for work? As we've already convened, probably not, because after a couple days, everyone will be on their own. So, who comes to fix your broken pipes? Who repairs your generator when it stops running? What becomes the gas station, the available gas station? There won't be any. Yeah, and let me let me tell you this much. 
from my experience in Haiti, um, any gas station that is up and working will be a war zone, probably owned by a warlord. Do you not think the gas stations will become an asset worthy of protecting? What about the pharmacy? I would put so much security on the pharmacy that you would have better luck robbing the bank next door than visiting any malice on my pharmacy. What about the hospital, Dave? All of its employees. Are they not an asset? During any type of disaster, a hospital probably becomes the second or even the most valuable asset in your entire community. Would you not relocate and allocate other assets such as security personnel and goods to that hospital? Also having mass storage for gasoline and diesel to keep that power on, sacrificing power for other places. This is what you would have to consider. So speaking of security, let's talk about community preparation. If I were in charge of a community's logistical preparation scheming, I would have prepared overlaid maps of my entire community so that as you look at the map, you'll know where your farms are because that's a valuable asset, isn't it? Be able to eat, that's a good thing. Where your farms are, your ranches are, you got to know where your food comes from, and they probably need security personnel as well. Mm-hmm. you got to have a working knowledge of your most valuable commodities in your community. So that means where your security personnel are staged at, where the armories are. Where is the hospital, the energy, the energy generation stations, the entrance and exit ports into your town? So that's your roads. You, where are your local cities, your other suburbs that were within your vicinity? Where's your food stored? Is it still in the grocery stores or have you pulled everything out and put them into warehouses? Do you have a barracks for security forces? You would need to know where that is. Do you know where hardened structures for the civilian populations so that in need for a sheltering in place, you know where to send people? Do you know where your rings of perimeter security is, where your left and right and north, south, east, and west boundaries are, both internally and externally? And with that, we would have what we used to teach as the five Ds of defense, your layering rings of security. So if anyone wants to write this down, you have five rings of defense. Your outermost ring is your distract, or excuse me, you have distract, divide, delay, divert, and deny. Your outermost ring is deter. We want to deter any type of malice from happening to our community with the presence of being what is called a hard target. Dave, do you know how rare it is for people to invade a prison? Yeah, Very rare. Yeah. It's nuts, right? Absolutely nuts. I didn't have an answer for you when you asked me the question. I know of people breaking someone out of prison, but invading it? uh, The only time I can even think of something similar was World War II when we freed some of the death camps. Yeah. Yeah, and it took a whole army to do it. I would want to look like that. I would want to have my community look like a prison that you would rather go down to the next community with all the Joe Biden and rainbow flags. That's where you want to go. If it were up to me, that's how I would make it look. So you have your hard target. That's your first layer of defense of the five D's, the, the tier layer. The next layer is delay. You delay someone's invasion of your layering defenses with obstacles and landscape. This is what's creating distance. That distance affords me the time not only to gather my forces, but also to gain intelligence on you. And from that distance, I can also then start to apply certain mediating um, countermeasures. I could be flagging you down. I could shoot a warning shot from that distance. I could try to yell at you or send a communication line trying to find out who these are before they get to my third layer of defense, and that is deny. We deny people with fencing and obstructions and obtrusions that can block vehicles and people. That is also a delaying tactic, but typically you don't delay for long. Depending on your enemy, that enemy could be coming with tanks, could be coming with explosives, with mechanical devices that can take apart fences, that can take apart walls. So 
that is when we go from denying the enemy to the fourth layer of defense, which is the defending. That's the perimeter that determines where you would engage a hostile force. By the time you are having to defend, you have already had three different layers exhausted. You've already tried to deter them. You've tried to delay them. You've tried to deny them. By now, at the defense, it is time to fight. Then you have your last layer. That is destroy. The last stand before your own destruction or their destruction. That is the Alamo, Dave. That is your basics of protecting your castle. And you might as well consider your home your castle, your suburb your castle, your community your castle. This requires a lot of working together. It requires a lot of logistics. And in that, there's a lot of issues. Typically, the worst issue is the human issue. You would want to have a list of emergency personnel, a list of emergency personnel staff, and alternates for those staff in case those staff members are incapable of fulfilling their duties for that day. This is how the government works. Dave, people will want to take days off. People get sick. People have to run errands. People are late. You got to have alternates. That goes for the inner guard, the outer guard, the day shift, the night shift, the engineers, the cooks, the babysitters, the doctors, uh, the ministers, everything that it takes for a community to survive will still be in place because what we're really talking about is tribalism, communities that are going to become just like the 13 colonies all over again. I mean, when the power goes out, if we have no other form of communication, that is how it will be. You will have to restart the communication lines. That's either going to be by the Pony Express or by the bicycle or however it is that you can get to it until we can provide other means. You would also want to have a list of the leaders in your community that are working that day, that are always fulfilling their various roles. You would want to know their alternates in case these primary leaders are unavailable. That would be your community staff members. That would be the elders of your community. Let me ask you this question. What is more important, Dave, logistics or security? Uh, I think it depends what point of the battle you're talking about. That's a very good answer. At the beginning, it's logistics. Um, As you progress, it's security, covering your flank, things like that, reacting to maneuvers from your opponent. Absolutely. Napoleon says that the army moves on its stomach, right? You can't eat. I mean, you can't fight if you can't eat. No. You can't eat if someone's not defending you while you eat. The two, have to, the two have to be in sync with each other. You know what that also means? Hmm. One can't be greater than the other. Now, one may be greater than the other in personnel. One may be greater than the other in risk. But you cannot have egos walking around saying, I'm the warrior. I'm the guy you need to listen to because I'm defending X, Y, and Z. And if it weren't for me, you wouldn't be able to sleep. As macho as that is, the logistics guy can say, okay, Rambo, do you like to sleep in air conditioning? Do you like that food? Do you like that hot water that we got running for you? You can't repair your rifle if I don't give you the supplies to do it with. So we got to work together. Let me ask you another question. What's more important, the Constitution of the United States or our relationship with Jesus and seeking to do his will? You even have to ask me that, Doug. Yeah, that's it's the latter, obviously. I have had to had I have had to ask that question from quite a few Christians who are part of the Second Amendment community. They are part of the gun community. God bless them. I understand their heart. But when you rely so much on the flesh, Dave, when you rely so much upon your own strength, your own will, your guns eventually won't save you. Christ alone will. Yeah, but I don't see that being in contradiction to each other because we're allowed self-defense legally and spiritually. So I, I, I don't see that as a conflict. There will be those who will be martyred. There will be those who will be imprisoned. And there will be those who are on the run. Eventually, we will have to surrender to Christ one way or the other. And if God says you are to be martyred, do you go against God and say, nope, I'm going to stand on my feet and die on my feet? You know, I don't know how I would know that. Um, I really don't. My instinct will be to survive. That's everyone's instinct. But 
I personally believe, just like during the Apostles' time, just like during the Old Testament, God will be speaking to his people. And we should be getting close enough to him every day to clearly hear his voice. Otherwise, everything that we're talking right now is obviously based on the flesh. But we have to survive by the Spirit. Because God will tell us where to go. He will instruct us what to do, as he did the people of Israel. This is, the, this is part of the endurance of the saints, not relying upon our own flesh. And this is one of the things that we have to crack the nutshell and unfold in front of everybody. Because everyone believes Trump will save America. Trump will not save America. It won't happen. Your guns won't save America. When God's wrath comes down, the Second Amendment is null and void. The Constitution means nothing. It depends who the wrath is directed against. Well, the wrath will be directed at the reprobates ruining this country, but we will live right alongside their ruin. In a, in a country without power, you too are without power. That's why it's so important to have God in the center of all yeah, this. Yeah, I would say this. The book of Matthew says, faithful to the Lord, he will not depart from you. That's and right. And therefore, like I said, it's embedded in my heart right now. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and I fully admit that, but I believe that uh, my instinct will be the correct instinct. If God says something to me and I know it's God, well, that changes. But the thing is, Doug, I think we're going to be called on to fight. We're supposed to confront evil. Um, I don't see God telling me to stand up, throw my arms out, and say, shoot me. Hmm. I don't no. see that. I don't see that happening. You know, there's there's the legend of the Theban Legion, the Roman Theban Legion, who was called up to fight against Germania. And because they would not sacrifice to the gods, they were issued a decree of, of uh, decimation. That means one in every ten men must die. And typically, the way that used to go is the other nine had to kill them. And then they still didn't offer up supplication to the gods and decimation was ordered twice the entire legion devoted themselves to slaughter instead of bending the knee to foreign strange gods now historians juxtapose that that's just a legend but many christians documenting from that time even in the fox's book of martyrs will say that it wasn't it was purposely hidden to show the courage of christians yeah. It's still ongoing. I've heard the story, and the term decimation kind of speaks to the reality of it, because oh, yes, that, ter- it that term has been passed down in pretty literal form all the way through history. Well, the best and wisest thing in the world is to work as if it all depended on you, and then trust in God, knowing that it all depends on Him. He will not fail us, but we are not therefore to fold our arms and sit still. He will not forsake us. We are not, therefore, to go upstairs to bed and expect that our daily bread will drop into our mouths. So we have to be careful how we live, to watch every putting down of your foot that is a good thing, be exact, be precise as to the divine rule, careless about man's opinion, and even denying, defying it, wherein it the Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow. For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. It is an error, but dutiful to God's law, bowing before it, yielding your whole nature in cheerful subservience to every command of the Most High. During those times that we're talking about, these are unprecedented times that no one has ever experienced. I think God will be moving amongst his people in the way that should he not return, there would be no flesh redeemable alive. That's, that's true. Yeah. So this is what I would tell you, that gossiping, rumor spreading, trash talking, this causes dissent amongst the brethren, and this is going to be a real problem. Our egos will be the most exploited asset 
the devil will use against us. So be mindful of this. This is why ministers should be ever-present in correcting that behavior and counseling your people when the problem arises, especially between couples. This is one of the reasons why I chose to kind of take on the task of being a chaplain. Now, I never got to be a police chaplain, but I did not stop wanting to be one. So who cares what the title is? This is what I would be doing during these times, ministering to people, keeping their faith strong, keeping their courage strong. And being that person where, you know, every now and then you just need to complain, you just need to vent, it's a good thing to get it off your chest, not to hold it up inside. This will be an ever-present problem, Dave, if not outright confronted and struck down immediately. Our personal feelings at this point will not matter. Order has to be kept. Law enforcement will still be around, and people aren't going to like it. You can call it sin enforcement if you want. But if the boat is rocked back and forth continuously, the chance of seeking grows higher and higher. And guess what? We have to let Christ in our lives presently. He's the one that soothes the storm because all we do is rock the boat. We rock the boat with our good and bad intentions, especially if Jesus is not involved in our decisions and flesh is involved. Look at all the good intentions from January 6th. Look at all the good intentions from all the mass protests that now have you tracked by the FBI, your local police, and your state police because you decided to wear your cool guy uniform and go and show how you know patriotic you are, standing up for the Constitution, thinking this is what we should do. Even though you're right, it's still used against you. Yeah. So this is what I'll say. War is work. We're talking about a wartime. War is work. It's not mystery. Where there is work to do, turn your hand to it first. Others will follow in your example. And I urge you men, become the example of a man of God so that our children who are always watching and always listening will also learn from our ways and will develop with good customs and ethics. War is work. When people have nothing to do, they talk. Quickly that talk turns to gossiping and from there it turns to fear. Keep the people busy when it is the proper time to keep them busy. The men should be given respective workloads based off their abilities and then held to a standard. This is honorable and it helps to maintain order. For surely without order, there will be chaos and our adversary, the devil, seeks to make meals of men during a chance of disorder. Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called the sons of God. That's Matthew 5, 9. During the time of great tribulation, we have to maintain peace and order amongst the people while knowing fully well that it cannot be maintained constantly, but we must try. Um, in terms of governance in a, in a community, I still say that we must apply a wise council of elders who come together frequently and discuss current matters from all sects of the environment of a community. We can most likely expect that the Constitution and Bill of Rights will be either torn to tatters by legislation or outright absolved and even made completely null and void by some tyrannical government, kind of like the one we have now. All right. So what's the answer? You're talking about strategic assets. The government's going to come down on anyone who tries to organize. That's right. We can expect that our own laws are going to be used against us because they are now. Yeah. So we will most likely have to come up with new laws to govern ourselves whenever all the laws have been abolished and we're on our own in our own wilderness. And to this idea, I have a novel idea. I still say fall back on the Ten Commandments, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights and to be used as a local form of law and giving the same rights to people since this is what we all know already and it was already wise and just at the very beginning. There's no need to remake a form of laws and rights that worked prior. We should just uphold them. You know, like what we always say that Congress never does. But here's the difference. There must be godly rule, and that must be at the forefront of our thoughts. Too many times, too many times in the Bible did we see the kings of old abuse their power and stray away from God, which brought forth great calamity to the people. And that can still happen. In my honest opinion, in the matters of security, we need to take a long, hard look at security before the emergency happens. This is why we say prepare all the time, Dave. We must go beyond the ideas of the Minuteman militias now. 
And I say that due to the the interference from the federal government and the lack of accountability in our current formed militias nationwide, based either from the lack of technical proficiency with a major and tactical applications that's missing, or from minor of government infiltration in the militias and the frequency and sabotage by state and federal agencies trying to set people up all the time. Because of that, Dave, I would declare any and all large formed militias to be hereby compromised from the internal level nationwide. Instead of forming a militia of a bunch of unknowns and feds, how about you turn yourself and the reliable men in your close circle into a strategic national asset that you can trust? The Knights of Malta. That's right. For in the day that this need arises and men must be called to combat an internal conflict or the invasion from and also an external threat, it will be your decision to either participate in our nation's defense or to not engage at all. Yeah. If you, David, I would say that if you decide to engage in the defense of our nation, you must understand the rules of war during that current period, which can rapidly change with the introduction of chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear weapons. The theater of the theater of war will also be very based on troop strength and weaponry. And this conflict will be nationwide. Most likely will be even higher likely that your theater of operations will be in your state, your county, at a city level, maybe even at a street level. And you must secure your base of operations. And for many of us, that'll be our homes. You have to secure that first before moving to assist others. And uh, you have to keep a defense force in place at all times if we're going to be serious about this. A defense force's only occupation is the defense of their territory. All other forward applied forces will have to be carefully calculated in their deployments into what theaters they are most needed in. That means if I have my base defense, those guys don't go anywhere. And I have an ex- I have a an additional group that goes out and does exterior patrols. They're going out and doing recon or gathering missions. But your internal defense force cannot leave. And there's two reasons. The moment they leave, people inside will take advantage of it. The human element, even amongst the church, is going to be a problem. It was a problem then. It's going to be a problem now. We must remember that during this conflict that resources are limited. A supply of major logistical items may not be available to us anymore. So adaptation and ingenuity will be a driving factor for bringing life-saving functions back online. Food would be number one. Uh, I've read some research, and it varies depending on the conflict. What kills more civilians in collateral damage to war? Is it the war itself? Or is it uh, starvation? And in, in, in a lot of theaters, it's starvation. Disease. Disease kills more than anything else. Disease. Um, I, re- I read disease was three. I've read the two flip that I talked about, combat, uh, deaths, and, uh, and lack of food. Well, what happens during war is people become starved, malnourished. They get, they get wounds and infections, and then disease spreads amongst troops. And then through the civilian populace and also through the animals. So um, during the colonial wars, disease killed between 20 to it's estimated 40,000 people, which was more than the war in general with all the fighting. Disease was the main killer of all that. During the medieval times, disease wiped out more men than swords did. Even as you look at it now, is not biological a disease. And would it be used? Absolutely. Smallpox, any virulent flu, any type of uh, pest-borne flu or, or plague, we're all talking about disease here. So disease is used as a weapon, not just by our fleshly enemy, but also by our spiritual enemies. Sure, sure. <sighs> All this will need to be given much thought. Obviously, well, I think. I think going forward, let me digress to the uh, real world here for a second. Um, I've done some research on what they call Crimean Congo. What a weird combination that is! Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. T- 
10 to 40% dead, supposedly going through Europe. I don't believe it's going through Europe or it'd already be here because this report's over two weeks old. And with air travel, it'd already be here. But I do think we're being prepped for what's coming, and that's going to be the next pandemic, and they're going to release it. Yeah, and because of that. And by the way, that's Ebola. Um, Yeah. And I believe they'll use smallpox as an accelerant. Well, because of that, let's talk about doctors real quick. And and because you brought up food, actually, let's let's start at food. Food is going to be something a lot of people are going to kill themselves over. <laughs> um, we have sources of communication that's going to be very important. Uh, Griswold can always talk to you about that, Bob Griswold. But a power grid is catastrophic, catastrophically disabling upon all forms of communication. A uh, quick forethought on planning. Where you put your munitions and weapons to include armories and distribution centers in case of an invasion will be, you know, very who of you. Lexington and Concord. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Back to logistics. Let's discuss the one thing that will surely kill us all if we don't have this in place, and that's water. And this is going to flow right into food and right into disease. Now, should there be a water filtering system for your community? a known area where the people can go to and get clean water? The answer would be yes, though every home should try to provide for themselves as much as possible, which is to relieve the burden of the community's stores. What about underground bunkers filled with stored water? Mm -hmm. What about hardened structures where water and food rations can be stored out of the sight of the enemy and those who would pillage from the stored goods inside your community. Consider having the ability to access ancient well springs that can be tapped into during a time of great need. Should there be a certain level of security for food and for water? Absolutely. And we have doctors, healthcare providers in the community. They will need to estimate the amount of diseases once the community has already been locked down. Trust me. When when prophecy hits the fan, when things get bad, starts to get dark, every community is going to shut itself down. Those healthcare providers, those doctors in your community are going to be your community leaders. They're going to be part of it. They have to be. And because of that, they're going to have to know what type of medicine there is, what type of diseases are already in the community, and how fast they should start moving to lock that down. Life-saving services will be some of the first things to go offline. So an estimation of medicine, if a mass plague or infection breaks out in the community and what can be distributed to the community, that'll have to be in the adjustment of numbers, types of diseases, symptoms, severity of contagion, if the food and water sources are fouled. How do you clean the water supply if it's fouled like cholera? Also, what remedial measures are in place in case such an incident was to occur? Cholera will kill many people. Dysentery will kill more people than bullets will. We have to consider triage areas, grave digging details. That means also that these people are going to be eating about four to 5,000 calories a day. That's a lot of food. Who isn't going to get that many calories? I thought the fighting man could exist on about 2,000 calories per day. Good luck. No way. That's the reason why each bag is given, each Marine in our bags, we're given three MREs. Now, that's always just for the the meantime, but they're always going to keep resupplying us. But there's no way. I mean, when, when it is hot as hell outside, you got all your gear on, you're walking everywhere. All right, you are running through water. We could easily drink two gallons to three gallons of water a day until your body gets climatized to that type of environment. And even still, those of you who live way up in the mountains, you're going to be dehydrated all the time. If you've never been in the mountains and you go to the mountains, you are going to be severely behind the curveball. You will have to be on water for at least a month or two non-stop until your body climatizes to it and gets used to it. You're also going to have to do endless amounts of screening of all supplies that are being sustained and secured due to the, and I mean literally down to the smallest detail of expiration dates. And items that are mildewed 
due to an inequality of the humidity, which is going to happen if ACs aren't running inside these storage areas, they're going to have to be accounted for. You know why? Because as you start to inspect food stacks and you're recording them daily, every ration taken either from a person eating it or the ration being disposed of due to whatever ailments must be recorded because there will be rumors and conspiracies and factions that they will say that there are people out there that are hoarding rations for themselves and yeah. their families. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for the food hoarding laws, and I've been advising a, people to, to hide their food as best they can. That's right. Dave, this is unavoidable, and, and it's mm-hmm. accurate. And this is also why accurate, stringent accounts of all food rations in your community must be kept, must be protected at the highest levels of security. Control the food and water. You control the people. Food controls the behavior of the weak-minded and the desperate. The Bible teaches us that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. That's Proverbs 6. This sowing discord is going to be one of our biggest enemies. So hearken to their to this warning, dear friends. A fortress can implode from within based solely on conspiracies and factions in the community. A logistically unprepared and poorly thought out base is a constant disadvantage to your overall survival. People will create small competing factions. Wives will bicker, men will posture, the rule of law will be eroded by some. Well, you're right. There, there's, there's an old saying in sociology that when you go beyond a group of four, you have to hire an extra person to supervise. So you're exactly right. The small groups will be what it is. That's why the military divides the basic fighting unit into a squad um, for that and, same and from, reason. And from there, the teams are four-man teams. Well, and see, there's accountability. Uh, you know, you, you you know, when you have large groups, they've done these research studies where they'll have someone fake like they're having a heart attack in the street. And in places like New York City, walking down the street, people step around, step over, go around. And they've had people lay there for hours without any assistance. Go to a small town where the numbers aren't as great. There's no anonymity and everyone knows they see you stepping over somebody. Then you're the one that's held accountable. And so what we know is large numbers produce what we call bystander apathy. And so a community to survive has to be organized and subdivided. We did this, too. When we fought our property rights battle against John McCain, I had a hell of a time getting this in over the objections of some ladies who didn't know jack squat about organization. And I just said, we need to have a goal. Here are our goals, major goal, here are sub-goals. And we need to have four people attached to each goal. And I did a lot of that just to get the troublemakers out of the way. And my group focused on the uh, the main objectives. So you're absolutely right about that. But here's the deal. When tragedy starts and you're in a large community, how are you going to reach? How are you going to organize? Well, this is going to be something that the community either comes together for or stays divided. And most likely, it's going to be a bit of both until things get bad enough where people will fall in line. Now, I'm already going to get uh, people calling me a government bootlicker when I say that. But for many of you who have never been in that scenario, and even for some of you veterans of mine, if you've never been to war, and no offense to anyone who served, if you've never been to war, things change outside of the training scenario you've been in. People change. Your best friend changes. You change. You are going to have a constant threat of division. Constantly. And this is going to produce just as many enemies inside of your protective walls as there are going to be enemies on the outside of those walls trying to tear them down. Yeah, let me say this. As a military historian, one of the things that amazes historians is the fact that the American Revolution didn't turn in on itself. That typically happens. The best example of that would be the uh, killing of the Tsar, and then you had the Red Revolution with the Bolsheviks, and they turned on the revolution six months later. 
that's classic. Um, that's the, that's the pattern. So you're right. You have to figure out how, if you're rebelling, uh, you're, you're going to have to find out a way to do this. Doug, we're going to be headed for a rebellion. There's no doubt a draft is coming. There's no doubt a civilian conscription is coming. And I went through this on YouTube. I covered executive order 13603 from Obama sections 501 and 502. And when you look at that, there's no question and people aren't going to take it. When mom and dad send their daughter off to war, they're called to do it. That's when the proverbial shit's going to hit the fan. Absolutely. And rumors and murmurings and complaining and grumbling, all these things are going to bring down the wrath of God and man. Mm-hmm. Both yeah, wars, wars and rumors of wars. Yep. We, we got- uh, in the time we have left, we have about seven minutes left. Um, are you tracking time on your end? Yeah, we're good. Okay, what where are we at minute wise? Let's compare the counts. Uh, I'm at forty eight. Okay, so we got about three minutes left. Um, is there in three minutes? Can you tell people how they should begin to organize other than personal preparation? Because you've been talking about cooperative group action. So what we are talking about is not the city that you live in now, not the suburb that you live in now. We're talking about the underground body of church, the underground body of Christ, the church. Okay. okay. Whenever you have to flee to the wilderness, you'll know the time. Obviously, I think we'll all know the time. Just like the preppers all know the time that they're going to bug out. Whatever community you fall into will most likely be the community you are stuck with for a long period of time when shit hits the proverbial fan. So if you're not ready for it and your little community that you're in is just as scared, at least have something to fall back onto. I've made a very basic guideline. It's not perfect, but it's a guideline of how to think about your situation because you're going to have 20 chiefs and one Indian doing all the work. I'll end with this. I'm going to, I want to read you a quote from the book Gates of Fire. In this novel, a Greek helot named Zionese was found alive by the Persians, was ordered to share the with the Persian emperor, uh, emperor Xerxes all the knowledge that the warrior had about the Greeks. The knowledge was very fluxed about how the Greeks made him pay so dearly for a, just a mean measure of dirt. So he said this. He said, I will tell his majesty what a king is. When I say king, Dave, I want you to think as the leader, men, as the leader of your family, I want to tell you what a leader is. A king does not abide in his tent while his men bleed and die upon the field. A king does not dine while his men go hungry, nor sleep while his men are on watch upon the wall. A king does not command his men's loyalty through fear, nor purchase it with gold. He earns their love by the sweat of his back and the pains he endures for their sake, not his, for theirs. That which comprises the harshest burden. A king lifts first, and he sets down last. A king does not require service of those that he leads, but he provides it to them. He serves them, not they. Yeah. I got it. I got it. You're talking about servant leadership. Unfortunately, a king has to be able to tell time, too, and we're, we're at the end of the show. Here's the thing I want to say to the audience before we close. Save this, go back and review it, make a checklist, because one day you will need it. Email me bet. if you want the list. Yeah, well, you did a pretty good job here, but yeah, exactly. Right. Doug, give out your email, then we had to close. American Vindicta Show at gmail.com. Hey, make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that you are liking, sharing, subscribing to the common sense show.com. Thank you very much, everyone who listens to us for supporting Dave's great work. And uh, you can also find us on Rumble and on gsradio.net and on the common sense show.tv. Dave, been yeah, a pleasure, um, man. My mind, me too. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at the TV.
Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BuryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.